Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Apollo 13 Minute, where each and every day, Monday through Friday, we go over one minute of the greatest space history movie ever made, the 1995 Ron Howard-directed feature, Apollo 13. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm Chris Henry of the Experimental Aircraft Association. And Chris, we are still in Jim Lovell's uh, nicely appointed uh, den. With, uh, you know, if, if I had a man cave like this, I think I'd want a giant NASA flag, too, in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Like you said, there's uh, home pictures of the time they took the station wagon and went to the moon. So, yeah, yeah. A lot it, of neat pictures on the wall. <laughs> it's great. I mean, uh, there's there's so much. One thing I don't know, though, I, I was trying to figure out that one picture of the back of the moon there, and that's a little bit too far away for for the Apollo 8 crew. So are those lunar orbiter pictures, do you think? I, I couldn't find a, an original reference for that one. They could be, or they could have just been an attempt at, at recreating the Apollo 8 picture, uh, and they, they did it a bit wrong, but it could be, you know, some sort of archival orbiter photo or something like that. But uh, um, my guess, if I had to guess, would have been that that was an attempt at uh, paying sort of respect to the Apollo 8 Christmas Eve around the moon flight. Yeah, yeah. The uh, You know, I keep thinking that the uh, the best job in Houston during the 60s was probably being a uh, only a frame store. Because there were just so many. Yeah, especially there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there are, well, are so many. And what's friends. neat is when you go to these, you know, when you visit with these gentlemen, and not just the, the Apollo astronauts, but uh, a lot of famous aviators, uh, you'll see this. They call that their me room. And um, it this this is a thing. <laughs> I mean, uh, I have one. I mean, you know, anybody that has a career, I mean, a lot of guys collect sports or whatever, but these these aviators uh, especially these guys that have been amazing places and had these amazing careers have these these game rooms, these me rooms. Yeah, it, it's it's stunning. I mean, I, I, I would imagine that they would have had a lot of input from Jim Lovell as to what it, what it would look like, and I guess this is this is what it looked like in his house back in Houston. From what I understand, there it's not too far from how how stuff actually looked back then uh, of where they were. So. Um, I would imagine that that he had a lot of input with Ron Howard on on how, how this was going to come out. Yeah, I believe you're right. I think uh, I think the replica of the house is is pretty spot on. Uh, I believe um, that the um, the picture in the movie. I am right. Picture that you might see there is the uh, it's a, it's it's the Apollo Eight, the famous uh, Time Magazine cover of the Apollo Eight crew. Uh, but it's done up with uh, the cast on it instead yeah. of the originals. And um, that was something that each of them actually got a copy, like the first editions of that as well. Wow. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's an amazing thing. I mean, just, just have somebody, somebody wandering around your house, this is definitely some, something to be impressed by. I, uh, as we're, you know, we're still deep in the, um, in the opening credit stage, and we're starting to get down to the second and third tier people, one of them is... Uh, Lauren Dean, who plays uh, uh, John Aaron, uh, the the uh, ecom. Uh, fellow. He, uh, Lauren Dean's other famous role was probably he was the other guy in uh, in Say Anything that John Cusack was uh, uh, fighting with. <laughs> oh, really? That yeah. was him. <laughs> yeah, he didn't he didn't have a boombox, so he lost. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. <laughs> no boombox, no girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then uh, of course Clint Howard. Uh, 
<laughs> Clint Howard, who is uh, you know his his personal employment agency of his brother, uh, I think he's been in every <laughs> he's been in every uh, Ron Howard movie. He's like like Hitchcock always put Hitchcock in his movies, while Ron always puts his brother in, and uh, did a pretty good job. So uh, I, I you know I actually am a fan, so I, I think that's awesome. Oh yeah, he's great, and I, uh, seeing him in his cameo in Solo recently really <laughs> really uh, cranked me up. I thought that was that was great. Oh, that's cool. That's very cool. I, I he was in uh, was it, he actually played in Mission Control in one of the Austin Powers movies as well. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> really, we're really jumping movies here. But yeah, I, yeah. No, I thought was, it was ironic that he played Mission Control in that movie he, he as was, well. He was perfect typecast. You know, anybody yeah. that can uh, anybody that can share some share some Tranya with uh, Captain Kirk is worthwhile. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just been been everywhere and done everything. Uh, um, next on on the uh, on the cast of characters, there we have uh, Ben Marley, who plays um, uh, he plays John Young in this film. Uh, he also uh, he he's a crossover with the uh, with the Tom Hanks from the Earth to the Moon, uh, playing uh, Roger Chaffee. Okay, so, it, it's I, you know, and it's something that I'm sure you'll you know you can elaborate on more. But I always thought it was interesting how from the from the Earth to the Moon cast, which of course was a miniseries. Um, a lot of the characters or a lot of the actors appeared in both. Yeah, yeah, um, as different people. I mean, I one yeah. of the, one of the ones I'm I'm always surprised at is, um, and of course now his name escapes me, but he's playing Pete Conrad in this film, um, and he he looks more like Frank Borman, <laughs> and he played Frank Borman in from the Earth to the Moon. Yeah, is yeah, absolutely. I know who you're talking about, and you know, I I, I gotta tell you, um, I, I talked to Frank about that actor um and about what he felt how he was portrayed and uh frank thought that he did a fantastic job in from the earth to the moon as as him um and if uh, not to go too far off but if you talk about the uh the part where he has to basically testify he testified twice before congress um during the apollo one fire investigation and um frank gave this amazing speech at our museum that basically almost was word for word how he described Ed White in that in that part where there's a guy that says tell us about the astronauts. Wow. And Ed White uh you know he described him as, you know, tall for an astronaut and you know his best friend and that he wouldn't obey orders cuz duty honor uh was everything to those guys and uh you know, and it was just incredible that he, I mean, it was this moment where it was like, wow, that's, you know, the truth is, uh, is really close to what they portrayed in that. Um, but Frank was very, uh, had very kind words to say about how he was portrayed in that yeah. uh, da- by that actor. David Andrews, the, the courtesy of IMDb. I just, <laughs> oh, there you <laughs> go. So, yeah. Yeah. David <laughs> Andrews. And, you know, I guess in doing such a great role as, as Frank Bourne, we can kind of forgive him for, uh, creating Skynet in all the Terminator movies. So he was... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's right. We'll, we'll forgive. We'll give him a pass on the Terminator stuff. <laughs> uh, uh, well, uh, next on the cast list is one of my favorites is Mark McClure, who uh, I every time I see Mark McClure in a movie, uh, he he plays uh, Glenn Lunny in this one. But uh, I always picture him as Jimmy Olsen from the uh, 1978 uh, Superman movie. He was he was great. In oh, that. wow. And he yeah. was also um, he was also Marty McFly's older brother. Uh, oh no kidding i never realized that yeah yeah he was uh he was dave dave the guy that worked <laughs> at the burger place <laughs> and then would later oh, have a, a you know a a a, a, a he has a job as a lawyer in the in the altered universe of uh, back to the future <laughs> i uh 
I, I, I got to tell you a great Frank story if we have uh, if we have a minute. Sure. Um, we're coming out of the uh, out of our museum, and there was a uh, a friend of ours who has a DeLorean that's done up like the Back to the Future car, ah. and he and he had it at the museum, and uh, he basically asked uh, um, Colonel Borman. He said, uh, you know, hey, you know, check out my car, and and um, Frank, you know, and this guy's really proud of the DeLorean, you know, and. And uh, Frank just kind of looked at it and he goes, is that a DeLorean? And and uh, he said, yeah. And he goes, is there, is there cocaine in it? <laughs> <laughs> and you can see my, my friend just kind of get deflated. <laughs> you know, he was not interested in the back to the future aspect of it. He just wondered about that. Yes, he goes, oh, diff- different, different generations of pop culture references. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ah, <laughs> uh, Wow. <laughs> Well, uh, we we see uh, we see um, back to the the movie part of this. <laughs> we're uh, <laughs> we're seeing uh, uh, Fred Hayes talking to, uh, to to Ken Mattingly about how they're the best team and they really are just you know a close order team. And from uh, you know you think about this is 1969 and it, years of of planning have been going into. The, I mean, they, all these crews were so heavily involved with each other and when they were going up with the flight. So that yeah, this is going to come up later in the film, but. Just having that personal pride in each other and being a close knit team uh, kind of makes the uh, uh, the later events of this all the more poignant. Absolutely, and I, I can tell you that um, when we talk to Fred Hayes, Fred Hayes basically almost quotes what uh, what they say in the movie. He said, uh, "You have to understand when we were assigned to Jim Lovell's crew, we were honored." to get to be flying with Jim Lovell. He said, that was a big deal for us. Um, so it, you know, it, it sounded like they did their homework and they really kind of carried that across that, you know, they were talking about in the movie, uh, you know, who did you bribe to get on Jim Lovell's crew? And he said, uh, that was a, that was very serious that, that, you know, th- it was a very big compliment to us that we were going to get to go with Jim Lovell. Yeah. And two, two rookie members. I mean, it's just, you know, astonishing that, uh, yeah. that they were going up on this. Um, it, the, uh, I'm trying to remember, the the last all rookie crew would have been Skylab four, um, but I'm trying to remember if there were any there were no there were no rookie teams going to the moon. Um, I don't well yeah I don't think because yeah I mean obviously Apollo eight had uh, you know at least they were going to go around the moon but those guys weren't rookies and yeah well Bill uh, and Bill Anders was but uh, right right but yeah but I mean they'd only have you know no more than one but this was a you know a two two rookie crew yeah. Yeah, he so, was gonna have his hands full up there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and he did. <laughs> yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, quite, well, we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, <laughs> uh, we get into a, a, a touchy point here to me because I I, I remember these days and uh, <laughs> when they're asking in the middle of all this, they're asking you know who should we watch it with? Who because you only get three you only get three choices oh, back yeah, then. That's true. And I can remember those days, and I know. In this case, they picked Walter. Well, partially because Walter is, you know, he came back to do the narration for for this particular film that the, that we heard in the in the first couple of minutes there. Um, but I was, I have a confession, I was not a Walter fan. I didn't. <laughs> oh man! I I know he's beloved. He's you know he's like the the Carl Sagan people looking back on it to think of him as you know the explainer and things. But <laughs> when I wanted to watch space, I wanted to hear it direct, and I want to hear it as with as little interruption as possible. And I used to watch, uh, my, my go-to guys were Frank Reynolds and Jules Bergman on ABC. Ah, uh, okay. And, okay. uh, after that I would watch it with, uh, Chet Huntley, uh, David Brinkley and, uh, Frank McGee and Jim Hartz on, uh, on NBC. 
for wow. uh, actually NBC would be almost be my first choice because they really didn't talk through it. Um, in the later flights, John Chancellor was the uh, was the announcer for the thing, and he basically shut up and let the NASA feed come through. Uh, oh, unlike, wow. you know, unlike NASA TV, you didn't have that. You just kind of had everybody explain. You know, there were like three levels of explanation. With, right. Uh, with uh, Walter Cronkite and Wally Schirra and Arthur C. Clarke on on CBS, yes, it was very good conversations. Wally would give you all the different, you know, backstories on the different astronauts and things. Arthur C. Clarke would talk about the future of space exploration. Walter was very excited, and I appreciate enthusiasm, but not in the middle of a landing. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, we, we want to hear the landing and you if know, you I could only yeah, imagine yeah if you if you watch him during the, i mean if you watch if you watch walter cronkite's video through and i'll probably get a lot of flack for saying this but if you watch <laughs> if you watch uh the cbs coverage of the apollo 11 moon landing as well as uh armstrong's first steps on the moon walter's talking all over them he talks during the uh, uh tranquility base here the eagle has landed and he's you know it's like i yeah. <laughs> I really appreciate his enthusiasm, <laughs> but put a cork in it. This is history. So anyway, that's, anybody that's, that's, that's my say, and we'll probably get a lot of hearing back from it. Anybody that's listening and wants to send hate mail, you can send yeah. it to Jim yeah. O'Kane. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jim at Apollo13minute.com. It's fine. We're all set there. So. You know, I'm I'm actually really jealous. Um, you know, I, I was born in 80, so yeah. I'm jealous of the folks that got to sit there and watch this happen in real time on their TV. Um, you know, just just last week we had somebody come by and they said, "Oh, I have a black and white, a couple black and white photos we want to give to the museum," and one of them was just a photo of their TV during the Apollo 11 landing. And you know, at a glimpse, someone was like, "Well, why would you want that?" And I said, "You know, no, this is awesome. This is a this is what it meant to everybody um, that they knew they wanted to capture it however they could, and." They took a picture of their TV with that on it. I mean, that, you know, that they didn't have cell phones and stuff to take screenshots and all that stuff. Um, so they, this is how they were going to capture it. These people was, you know, it's, and it's an old style, you know, 60s TV and clear as day. The, you know, there's the moon landing on there. And I just couldn't imagine living in a time when you're just sitting there going, wow, we're up there. We're up there walking around it. That had to be truly inspirational. Yeah, it was it was stunning. I was I was nine years old at the time of the Apollo eleven moon landing, and I have somewhere somewhere in a box somewhere in my house I've got a picture of uh, of Armstrong walking down the side of a limb, and uh, I have pictures of Al Shepard uh, taking out that six iron and, and hitting a ball with like you know with a Polaroid <laughs> camera. I took it and I thought this is never going to come out, and, it, and and they used to actually there were there were little. Um, news stories where they tell you how you could take a picture of your television set and they tell you, you know, use a very slow F-stop so you didn't get the huh. uh, the, the video uh, flicker and make sure all the lights in your room are out so that they don't distract from the picture and, you know, they they, they actually knew that millions of people were doing this <laughs> in their homes and uh, it was wow. kind of a, a feat of doing. I have I have audio recordings of, uh, of these, you know, on reel-to-reel and I if I only had a reel-to-reel uh, player, I, I probably will be searching eBay to see if I can find them. I'm sure the, <laughs> the magnetic domains have floated away over the past 50 years, but uh, wow. it was a, it was a thing to do. And you know, I I think it that urge to record it, that to keep it, make it permanent, that make make sure that it didn't go away, is such a 
such a universal thing. And, you know, in, in today's day and age where everything's on YouTube, everything is a, there's a digital copy somewhere of everything. Right. Right. Um, we're, we're kind of spoiled by that, but this was, you know, it was all happening, happening live and it was all being shared. Everybody, you know, everybody watched it that night. Everybody, this was, you stayed up late. This was at, uh, I was on the East coast. So it was at ten fifty at night and, um, you know, it kept going later and later. And my folks, didn't say anything about me going to bed. It was, you know, Sunday night, middle of the summer. You know, it, it was, you know, I had nothing, I had nothing to do Monday, but, uh, you know, just <laughs> staying up really late at night for a nine-year-old was, was exciting for me. And I can remember looking out the front window of my house while this was going on and seeing the moon setting um, and thinking, what's going on on my TV right now is going on right there on that little orange dot. Wow. Um, and it, this this was ha- and this was happening in everybody's house in the world, not just in America. This was everybody was tuned in to see that first step because it was that was the day that history was going to change forever. There would have been somebody that walked on the moon. Wow, um, you know, and I think that's one of the things when the people ask about what did it, you know, what does our space program give us? It gives us that when when we do something like that, the whole world kind of gets together a little bit at least for these glimmers of time and everybody's looking at one thing you know um you know you really just touched on it there i mean i'll, I'll never forget uh you know we when we had uh a colonel borman at our museum we had a guy that called in and he said um uh, i can't make it to his talk i just want to pass him a note and the note just said um december 1968 when you guys were going around the moon, he said, we, I was in a jungle in Vietnam and we had gotten word that you guys had successfully orbited the, you know, your first orbit around the moon. And he said, I remember we were all looking up at the moon and we all thought, you know, surely if you guys can do that, then there was hope for us to get out of this jungle. And, uh, you know, that it's, it's things like that. Uh, obviously the space exploration is fantastic, but the, what it gives to everybody else in the world is uh, it's hard to measure. Yeah, it's it's this big campfire that we can all gather around. I mean, I, I know I know you when you yeah, were, when yeah. you were a kid you watched amazing stories in that whole that opening sequence with people just sitting around telling stories. But that's how it felt. It was like we were all in this together. And yeah, uh, I mean, going back to the Apollo eight mission with uh, you know the reading from Genesis and, and stuff. The I was in. Uh, that was during our uh, Christmas vacation. I was eight years old, and I was in uh, ho- I was in Hollywood, California, at the Hotel Roosevelt uh, with wow. my parents, and we were visiting uh, friends and relatives on the West Coast for Christmas. And um, I can remember watching watching this with uh, Grauman's Chinese Theater back. It was Grauman's before it was Mann's. Grandma's Chinese theater out the window of my of the hotel room, uh, <laughs> uh, seeing this and thinking, yeah, that's the moon on that little. Yeah, I mean it was it was a very blurry picture. I'm sure you've seen videos of the uh, looking out the window. Oh and, yeah. And hearing them read from Genesis from a quarter of a million miles away, it, it's flabbergasting that that's, you know, that's where we were in 1968. Being able to do something like that so far, you know. Mild, there's um, you know, uh, people back then realized the scale of it. I don't, you know, we've been we're 50 years away from all this stuff, so I don't know 
if modern audiences understand the distances involved. Um, one of the oh, yeah. one of the more typical uh, kind of a comparison that you could make is if you think of the Earth as the size of a basketball, the Moon is a baseball thirty three basketballs away. Wow! And, and since that time, since the you know since Apollo seventeen came back home, we've never been further away than the flat side of a plain M&M from the earth. And that's, you know, that's since 1972. Wow. So, you know, I mean, but back there in the sixties, we were going those 33 basketballs out and, yeah, and that's, yeah. you know, when you're, when you're looking at all these people, especially, you know, when we're looking in that living room, Jim Lovell's living room of all those people, some of those people were going to be heading that way uh, pretty soon. You know, like yeah. Pete Conrad, for example, will be going out on the next flight in the same year. Yeah. And, and, you know, we're dealing with the idea and other people there, um, the, the kind of unidentified, uh, Capcom that we never really clearly get who the Capcom <laughs> is. He'll be talking to these people while they're walking around the moon. Um, yeah. you know, and, and they all knew this, this they were all going to make that leap and take that journey. So, uh, trying to, you know, trying to wrap your head around that back then, I think, that, you know, there's a lot of humor, and a lot of, uh, you know, gen general light, light sounding stuff, but they all knew what a serious business this was. Well, and I think you actually even kind of see that in, you know, in Tom Hanks as he's watching it, you know, yeah. he kind of, he kind of even carries that where he's, he goes from kind of a lighthearted sort of appearance to a, to a serious appearance, you know? Yeah. Uh, and he portrayed that very well. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I don't know how to, how to get the feeling over to people when they're, when they're watching this, but it's kind of the, the, every, every moment when you were watching uh, the Apollo 11 missions and, you know, the previous missions uh, before that watching when they would, when it would launch and things like that, you still get that a bit with, well, uh, you know, you felt that way kind of with the shuttle missions, but, but everybody watching this at the same time, it's not knowing what was going to happen next and how things were going to, you know, unfold. This is kind of light and jovial, but it really did get very quiet every time, I, when people were watching them land on the moon, especially during the landings, because it was audio only. So you'd be listening and you'd be hearing them calling off, you know, altitude readings. And um, after Apollo 11, everybody knew about the uh, uh, quantity lights of, you know, that they had 60 seconds and 30 seconds to go. So, every you know, that the landing part of this uh, was always uh, a dangerous and exciting um, part of it. And people like Walter Cronkite and, and uh, Frank McGee and, and Frank Reynolds and all these other people would explain the difficulties that um, the astronauts were facing on landing. So when they'd explain it and then they'd give you a little countdown clock saying estimated time until landing and it said like a minute and a half, you would just kind of lean forward and nobody would be talking. Um, wow. And, that... you know, well, hopefully those days will come back before. <laughs> Absolutely. And what I got to tell you, some of the excitement was certainly there when we were watching the SpaceX launch with the Tesla in it. Yeah. Um, I got to tell you, I mean, that the people were excited. It was people were excited about something that was going on in space again. And um, that was that was pretty cool to see. I remember uh, there were about four or five people in my office. We were gathered around watching it on my computer. And it was just. It was just cool to see younger people who didn't really, you know, some of them even were, were, you know, trying to hard to remember the shuttle program. 
were suddenly now having something to watch and and, uh, and they couldn't believe their eyes. And I think that's what the space program, you know, has always done was you couldn't believe what you were seeing because we've never we've never seen it from that perspective, whatever it was that you were looking at. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I can remember uh, back in uh, in two thousand five, I went to see the New Horizons launch uh, to Pluto, and oh wow, uh, it got. It's got it got scrubbed twice. We sat, and it once once it got down to like forty five seconds, and the wind the wind was too high, so they canceled. And then I fortunately had a chance to go down the same day as the launch. I had to, I had to go back to Orlando, and I got I got there, and the flight landed. Uh, my flight landed, and just as it landed, uh, New Horizons had taken off. And I thought, ah, I'm not going to be able to get out to the coast to see it. But I saw it as it was leaving. As it was, I just saw the, the 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 contrail as it was as it was going from from wow. the Orlando airport, and <laughs> and then you know years and years went by, and all of a sudden we're getting you know these close up pictures of Pluto, which on you know in in all of human history, the most we had known about Pluto was it was a dot and it had another dot circling it. And now we have, you know, pictures of uh, ice flows and frozen uh, nitrogen. And, you know, the, the the scale of knowledge on that is, you know, the, the, the pie shape is just a, a thin little sliver for previously known about the Pluto and everything we learned in the past five years. So, yeah. you know, and this, this is something that's, that this moment here on the moon, it's like we found out, oh, you won't sink into the, you won't sink into uh, the Sea of Tranquility <laughs> if you step off the pad. Yeah. Um, you know, and hopefully we can see many more days like this. But it's uh, it's fascinating. This does get a pretty good taste of it. I'm, I'm, Absolutely, I'd I'm love I'd love to see it. I'd love to see those days come back. Yeah, I think that's about all I can say for this minute. I mean, it's uh, it it does. I, I do like uh, the, the capturing uh, Pete Conrad's personality here. I think it it came across <laughs> very well. He was kind of the center. He was the colorful one, as as we know. <laughs> well, uh, as uh, as Al Bean once told me, uh, Pete. Oh, he said, if you can't be good, be colorful. Yeah. And uh, he said, and Pete was both, but. Uh... <laughs> I really like the way this is, this is shaping up. Um, Absolutely. Well, great. Well, uh, well, let's, let's pause here. We're going to get a little bit further into the, into the moon, into the moonwalk uh, in the next minute, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll check back with that, uh, that tomorrow. So uh, for those of you who would like to uh, check back on previous episodes, if you've missed any of our scintillating conversations, uh, please go to Apollo 13 minute.com. You can catch up on previous episodes, uh, leave comments on the, on the individual episodes. Uh, you can, if you're not uh, already subscribed, please go to either iTunes or Google Play. Sign up for us. If you're on iTunes, please leave us a, uh, a very detailed and warm, loving uh, review of uh, of our podcast because people always trust the five stars. <laughs> if you leave us as many stars as you can, we'd appreciate that very much. Uh, but we'll be back tomorrow, maybe with a special guest. We will see. Uh, I would love it. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, until then, uh, lost a signal here in 30 seconds, and uh, we will catch you on the other side here on the Apollo 13 Minute.